Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome to Nothing Concrete, the Barbican podcast. I'm Benesh Made, and this week we look back to May 2017 when we spoke to DJ, producer, and musician Sasha about Refracted, his live debut performance at the Barbican over two sold out nights. Those moments when there's no distractions, I do find a lot of that time is really good for writing, especially when you're in that altered state of being jet lagged and everyone else is asleep and you're wide awake. And I find that quite creative time actually taking inspiration from his own 2016 album scene delete a record of original material on the late night tales series and a powerful live performance of the barbican by contemporary composer nils Fram, sasha put together this new live project so let's discover the story of how he stepped out onto the stage on the 20th and 21st of May 2017 to make his live debut with strings percussion and some piano lessons as we'll discover Chasing him across the globe, I spoke to Sasha. Where did music enter your life for the first time? Well, I moved into a house um, with my family when I was probably about, I, th- I think about six or seven. There was a really beaten up old piano in the house. And my mum used to play lots of music in the house. She used to play records. I used to like copying the melodies of the records. And I think we were listening to things like Wings and the Beatles and... Jerry Rafferty and ELO and they used to love sitting at the piano and copying the melodies of the tracks. So. The, the sort of next step then, how did you get into DJing? Where, where did that begin? I moved to Wales when I was a kid. I was trying to finish my school there and then my friends were, were, were going up to um, Manchester every weekend, going to this club called the Hacienda and saying, they said it's amazing, there's this thing called house music. I was like, okay, what's this? And I went to Manchester, I went to the Hacienda and I kind of just had my mind blown by the music and yeah, I just was like, okay, I want to do that. So, I mean, for me personally, I was I, I made it a, an effort to be the first person on the dance floor. I would queue up at nine o'clock at night and I would be the first person into the club and onto the dance floor and it was like this kind of rite of passage thing that I had to do, that I had to be the first person in. The the music that the, the DJs played at the start of the set was was the most important music to me.
was it a big step to release your own music? '91 or '92 was my first uh, releases. Yeah, I've been I've been putting out I've been doing lots of remixes for people and uh, doing singles and stuff like that. And you talked about remixing. Did that sort of inspire you when you were making your own music? How did that sort of input in, do you think? I don't know. I mean, when I was remixing, it was more of a production house that I was involved in. You know, I worked with an engineer and a programmer and we sort of, we'd go in on Monday and mix a track and we had a, a, a way of working. By the time we finished on Friday, we'd have remix and dubs done. And it was kind of a process that we went through every week. When it came around to writing my own music, the writing process is very different because you have to get a little bit lost sometimes and you have to kind of, you know, you have days where you're noodling around with maybe a new piece of equipment or finding a new way of working or pushing pushing things in the studio and you might not really be getting anywhere in terms of finishing music, but you're sort of digging away and trying to discover a new sound to work with. You can, you can lose a lot of days like that. You can lose a lot of weeks like that, a lot of months like that of just kind of uh, trying to find your sound. You know, when you're on that, when you're on a schedule with remixing, you know, you have to deliver on certain dates. They're usually breathing down your neck to hear what you've done, and you're very much under time pressure. When I think when you're writing your own music, you sort of have to get lost in it a bit. And where do you find the pockets of time for your own music? I mean, are you doing it on your laptop? A lot of the time when I write, I'm, I'm on the road and I'm jet lagged and it might be three o'clock in the morning in Tokyo and I'm wide awake and I have a little setup in my hotel room and I work on a melody or something or I might be on a plane with my headphones on working on some beats or those moments when you're sort of, there's no distractions. I do find a lot of that time is really good for writing, especially when you're in that altered state of being jet lagged and everyone else is asleep and you're wide awake and I find that quite a creative time actually. Just tell us a little bit about Scene Delete. I, I mean, it's a it's a different step for you. I think you're inspired by the Late Night Tales series. Well, I, a lot of that music was already about half of the album had already been written. I'd, I'd written a lot of these ideas down, and there were little sketches of ideas that I'd written down over the previous sort of couple of years, and I didn't really know what to do with them. You know, a little melodic hook here and there, a little groove here and there, a vocal that we'd got that we didn't know what to do with, and. What I'd been doing, I'd collected about 40 or 50 pieces of little ideas of music. And I think one day I put them all into a playlist um, in iTunes and just hit shuffle. And it was just, they were just playing all day. And there was one moment where sort of three or four things played in, an, in a particular order. And I'm like, well, this actually sounds like it could be a record. And, I, and then I was thinking, well, what, 
what kind of record is this? Where where could I put this out? I don't know what where it would fit. And my first thought was the Late Night Tales. So, you know, I called them up and they're like, well, you know, mainly Late Night Tales is kind of people doing DJ mixes, using other people's music, maybe remixing other people's music. It's not really... Uh, they don't really put out original music albums, but when I sat them down and played them what I'd done, they were like, okay, they, they got their heads around it and they thought, well, okay, we can work with this. So that's why we, we did it under the Late Night Tales banner, but it, was, it had its own name, you know, Scene Delete. So, yeah, a lot of those ideas were from hotel rooms, uh, late flights, being up jet lagged or up super early in the morning, playing around with little ideas. And, then we just, I, and my laptop was just full. Once I'd, once I'd actually compiled into, into one list, um, we realized how much music was there and we were like, we've got to do something, really. And uh, Late Night Tales was the first thing I thought of, really. You know, we were listening to a lot of, like, Olaf Arnold's, uh, Nils Fram, um, Max Richter, and then, you know, older stuff, Philip Glass and Steve Reich and stuff. We were listening to a lot of that stuff while we were making scene delete as well where it was kind of we were just absorbing that How did the opportunity arise to bring this album, Scene Delete, to, to the Barbican to perform it live? Well, basically, I mean, basically, it was the guys from the label and my PR people in London that worked on the record were all like, "You should do this live. It would really work at the Barbican." And I, you know, I'd never thought of playing live before, and I never, you know, it never really entered my head that that would that would be an option when we were making it. So I took some persuading, and then they were like. Look, come and have a come, come and see a gig at the Barbican so you can see how it all works and stuff. So you know, Neil's Fram was playing. So I took a Friday off from DJing and I came into town, especially for that gig. And he just absolutely blew my mind. Actually, that shirt at the Barbican show, and after seeing the space full of people and seeing kind of the sound in there and how powerful it was and that performance, I was like, this is a gig I can't turn down. So. Then it was more of a case of like, well, in theory, I'm, I'm up for it, but I really have no idea how to put a live show on. I started talking to my team and there, of course, everyone was very much going ho about it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's make it work. We can make it work. So I started talking to some friends of mine that had done live things before. A friend of mine, Tommy D, his wife is a Rosie Danvers. She does strings for people like Kanye West and Adele.
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You know, I started watching kind of some of the electronic guys and seeing what they were doing live. And with some of the new technology available, this concept of playing electronic music live, you know, there's quite a few people like John Hopkins, Fortet, Nicholas Jar, Bonobo. I'm like, okay, there's ways to do electronic music live and with the technology available now that maybe wasn't there a few years back. And I kind of said yes to doing it on the spot and then tried to work out the, the details later, which I think if I'd known how complex <laughs> it was going to be and how much work was involved at the beginning, I might have thought twice about it, to be honest. It's been the most all-consuming thing I've ever worked on, and it's completely taken over like all of our lives, everyone involved in it. And it's, uh, but it's been a fantastic process and really, really inspiring. And I don't think I'm ever going to go back to writing music the way that I wrote music before. I think it's going to be much more about performances from now on. You know, I've spent hours practicing the piano, get having piano lessons again. I, you know, I played when I was a kid and stuff, but I haven't really touched the piano properly since I was 16. So I kind of went back to roots and sort of, you know, went back to studying piano again. I was having piano lessons for, on Skype from a piano teacher that I found in Sydney. So I'd be waking up at five in the morning to have a 6 a.m. Uh, piano lesson on Skype because that was the only time of the day that she was free. But I found that actually doing those lessons at that time of the day were really, that was really great because, you know, you wake up, the house is quiet, you know, you your head isn't full of the stress of the day and you're kind of a clean slate. So... I found that to be really beneficial. And yeah, it's just, it's taken over. Run me through who you have on stage with you. How will you transport the sound? 
to the live arena? My main production team that I work with in the studio is a guy called uh, Dave Gardner, who kind of, you know, co-writes stuff for me and uh, does a lot of the kind of processing sound effects and processing work. He, um, he's he got kind of a, a workstation set up that's just take what everyone else is doing on stage and mangle it. And then there's Dennis White, who's Thermal Bear. He's kind of, he's on drums and doing a little bit of uh, bass stuff as well. And then Charlie May, who's a long-time collaborator of mine that we worked on Expander back in the end of the 90s. We've been working together for many years, like 20 years. So he he became involved again. Me and him are playing all the main sort of keyboard parts. So we both have kind of two uh, keyboard and piano and synth workstations. And then on top of that, Rosie is putting together like an eight-piece string section, which we, you know, I'm really excited to hear how that's going to add to what we're doing. And then we're having a guy called Joby who's going to be uh, doing orchestral percussion. And that's going to range from everything, just kind of sound effect stuff to actually playing kind of melodies on marimbas, uh, xylophones, glockenspiel. We haven't quite worked out the details of his setup yet. But yeah, and then on top of that, we've got um, obviously the, the, the guest vocalist that worked on the Sing Delete album. We've got um, Laura from Ultra Easter and John Graham. Um, they're the two vocal tracks on Sing Delete. And then we've also got... We're also doing some of my favorite remixes from my back catalog as well. We're reinterpreting some older stuff. So we have Abigail Wise from Battleships, the Battleships track that I did um, for Involver 3. We've got uh, the home video guys are going to be there. We're doing the home video track. There's Rodriguez Jr. who's going to be, who sang on the Youngsters track that I did on Involver 1. I think that's it. Yeah. I had no idea how big it was when when we took it on, really. yeah, I had no idea how, how far we were going to end up taking it and how big it was going to be. I feel like that episode of The Simpsons where he's climbing the mountain, he keeps getting to one peak and there's another massive one behind it. <laughs> yes, yeah, so the next one, there's another one. The lighting guy we're using is Stuart, and he uh, he works he works he he did the Niels Fram show that I saw at the Barbican. And I was basically like, well, uh, Stuart did the lights for that show, and I said I want I want that lighting set up, or I want to work with that guy. And Terence did the sound for the Niels Fram show, and I you know we've got him doing the sound as well. So Niels Fram set the bar pretty high for us, I'm afraid. If I'd seen a different show. Or if I'd maybe started doing live shows in clubs or festivals, I would have approached it a completely different way. But 
the fact that Neil Fram kind of set the benchmark for us, it ended up being very high. So we've, <laughs> we've ended up stretching ourselves to try and reach that. Do you still get nervous? I do. I still get nervous at my gigs. Yes, I get. I get nervous whenever I'm in DJ booths where I'm really exposed. One of the reasons I like playing at Fabric so much is the DJ booth is really closed off, and you can really kind of get down to work without people being in your face or being exposed. So it doesn't really get more exposed than being on the centre of the stage at the Barbican. There's nothing there really to hide. There's nowhere to hide really. So I've never actually played music in front of people before. Uh, I've had some interesting moments over the last few months. We've had people come to the studio, to the rehearsals, and we've had to start playing. And I've got very nervous just playing in front of three or four people. So it's something that I'm really working psychologically to get over because it's a whole new performance for me. I've never done anything like this. I've never played in front of people before. So the, the nervous battle that I'm going to have to get my head around is something that I'm talking to every day with my music teacher and with... I'm getting some help here and there about how to deal with the uh, with the, kind of their gremlins in my head, really, because it is it's a scary proposition. <laughs> Most people, I think, when they get to the Barbican, they've already got a hundred or a thousand gigs under their belt. You know, um, this is our first proper show, so you know we've talked about buying off a bit more than we can chew and jumping in at the deep end and what have you. But it's uh, it's something that I think that if we can get it right, it's something that, you know, could lead on to some really amazing things in the future as well. Thanks to Sasha for speaking to us. You've heard extracts from the original Scene Delete album and a release of the Barbican show itself. Resident Advisors Live Review speaks of the infectious sound of the crowd, which is apparent, and Louder Than War described the performance as polished, thought out and pretty much perfectly executed. I'm Benesh Made. Thanks for listening to this archive edition of Nothing Concrete, the Barbican podcast, here to inspire more people to discover and love the arts with weekly episodes of archive finds and theme series. Subscribe to Nothing Concrete on Acast, Spotify or wherever you find your podcasts. And if you can, leave us a review to help us get the word out. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.